Welcome, everybody. This is Shingo. I am the creator and operator of Hard Gallery. This is episode nine of Hard Conversations podcast. And this evening, we have the Kenyan-born, Detroit-based DJ, vibe connoisseur, iconic stylist, online retailer, and overall badass hustler, problematic <laughs> black hottie. Hey! Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Shingo. I'm super yeah, excited that you asked me to do this. Yeah, you're somebody that's always up to something new, and um, since you, you're always sharing what projects that you're working on and what projects that you want to achieve, and I think seeing you really putting yourself out there and manifesting these projects is really inspiring for people and. You do it in a very uh, inspiring and authentic way. Your style is so iconic. The way you talk and the way you dress and the way you like talk to people is not necessarily like on brand, but it's just who you are as a person. And just before I came up here, Morgan and I were talking about how much we admire your hustling spirit and you're out there to get what's yours. And you're not afraid to call people out publicly when others might be too shy to express the same feelings, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I want to ask you, where does that spirit come from? Oh my gosh. Thanks so much, <laughs> man. I don't, <laughs> that's a great question. I love good questions. Um, I guess it's just, I'm inspired by other people that have like so authentically spoken <clears throat> truth to power I think is how my my favorite anthropology professor would put it um and just like realizing <clears throat> excuse me how much yeah just like yeah there's just when I speak authentically and I speak things that I believe are true and I'm standing up for my ethics and my and my values um I feel just very aligned and when I don't, um, it just doesn't, I just physically, it makes me feel sick. Like I, it's like, I can't sit with that. And so it's like, I have to just say the things, some of the things that I say. And honestly, I don't even be wanting to say some of the things I'd be saying. <laughs> <laughs> it just comes out. It just comes But sometimes you, when you're the person that has to do or say something, sometimes just that's just how it is, you know? Um, <laughs> and so I think that that's mostly, mostly what it is for me, but <clears throat> I appreciate that people are supportive of the things that I say and they amplify my voice when I need them to. So I'm so thankful for that. Yeah. I think you're a good, uh, role model for people who might want to have the same confidence that you have. And, you know, it really takes a person like you for someone who is, might be shy to like see and copy and know that like it is possible to have such a strong personality and confidence and you know achieve what you want to achieve and you know it's definitely not easy at times but mm -hmm. um, I think yeah I think it's really inspiring and I hope that people many more people can be inspired by you and follow your example. Same. I mean, that's why I love the name like problematic black hottie because it's just sort of like naming and personifying that and that experience. 
Um, and I feel like when people, other people read that or, or read that name, they're like, wait, I, I'm like, I'm those things. Like they, re- they relate to it because, you know, um, and people that speak out on, on difficult things that other people don't want to speak out on know what it's like to be the one framed as a problematic one for calling out something problematic. And you're like, what the mm-hmm. heck? Yeah, it's a double standard. <laughs> Totally, you know, um, and so I was just super frustrated with that, and I know lots of other people are um, as well. And so for me, that was like just like really, really naming, um, naming that experience. Um, and I think that that's a that's something that people really can relate to. Um, and I'm really I'm glad that they can, and like it makes me feel good if I can make anyone. Uh, stand up for themselves or set boundaries or you know speak out on a cause or values that they believe in that means a lot like when people are like some people have messaged me and been like yo I just spoke out to my da-da-da about whatever whatever that I hadn't been able to for so long mm-hmm. and like that makes me feel really good those things are, are really important um, and I, I love I love it so I'm really glad that people are responding to it and um, people are are into it and they they're vibing with it. Was there a moment where that you specifically experienced that re- truly inspired your name? <laughs> so I think it was just like a culmin just a culmination of things. Um, mm-hmm. And like I think it's just all the best ideas. You know, it just like came to me. I'm pretty sure I was just like smoking on the couch, scrolling on Instagram. And I think it was just, like two, these two posts, one had said something about being problematic. And then the next post was something about that um, reference from Mean Girls in the cafeteria about the unfriendly black hotties table. Mm. And something about that was like, oh, I was like, unfriendly black hotties, problematic. I was like, I'm not unfriendly. Mm-hmm. I am kind of problematic. And then all of a sudden I was like, problematic black hottie? Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and then I immediately checked all the social media sites just to make sure it wasn't taken. And then it kind of mm-hmm. just took off from there. And I just like was like, that is so me. Like I relate to that so much. Um, and especially because like, when I came up with that name, I was in college. And so I think it was like sophomore year, I studied Africology. And that's really when I came into like, being black and sort of like really acknowledging all the things that were happening politically and everything and structurally. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was super charged up and fired up and angry and was very, 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 very outspoken about it on campus. and so I think it also really came from that and just realizing um, how people respond to people talking about a revealing structural inequality. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was just all of those things coming together, um, deconstructing like white supremacist beauty standards for myself and really coming into my my own self so that's where the black hottie part came from so yeah it was a lot of things and then it it just all made sense together yeah what what was your name before you were 
problematic black hottie. OMG. So people still follow me from like way back then. So, oh my gosh, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> I can't believe I'm So before I was problematic black hottie, uh, this was the time before The weekend was like superstar, like famous, like mainstream. I was okay. like one of those people that knew him like before he was like before everyone anyone like knew what he even looked like so i was like super heavy into like the the weekend like fan fan um club and all of that kind of stuff so before problematic black hottie i was my weekend instead of the weekend so stupid um <laughs> but that's what i was for a while and then problematic big black hottie became a thing and then it's just been a thing ever ever since but i still have people that rock with me from like being weekend fans to like cult weekend fans together nice that's so funny i wonder <laughs> i because like so you went to eastern yeah is that where you met nina yes or okay because i remember the first time I met you, it was at, I think I had an art show at Alley mm. Bar and Nina was like, I think you were oh. with Nina. And um, she was like, yeah, this is my friend. And I was like, I remember you because i never seen you before. You had like no hair at the time still at the, also and like just really memorable. And I was, yeah, I was just trying to remember the first time I met you. And I think that was around that time. Oh my and- God that's so funny yeah so can you tell us so you're born in Kenya so no where were were you born I'm first I think it's first is it for my parents are from Kenya Uh and I'm the first person in my family born here in America okay yeah yeah, so I'm not sure if that's first generation or second. First generation. I'm not sure how that it is first generation. You're first generation in America. Yeah, I'm first generation in America. Um, so yeah, my parents are Kenyan. <clears throat> so my whole family is from Kenya. Um, and so I've been back and forth all of my life between America and Africa. So I have a, a lot of cultural gaps from both sides because because of that Mm -hmm. um so yeah sometimes i don't get like a lot of references that people may make because i just that's just not what i those aren't the references i grew up with or Mm -hmm. whatever um so yeah i've been i've lived detroit and michigan is like the longest i've ever lived anywhere and it's like honestly where i just call home Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was born in Baltimore. My parents are from Kenya and I've been here since I was 15. Um, and I've never lived anywhere else as long as I've lived here, but I've mm. lived in San Francisco, Kenya, Zimbabwe, like all I've lived all over the place. <laughs> wow. What were your parents or what do your parents do? What brought them to the States? Um, you know, classic immigrant story, just like looking for better life, more more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that's that's for real. My life would be totally utterly different if they they hadn't come here. But my parents were in America. They lived here undocumented for thirty years, and they were like, you know mm. what, America's fucking crazy. <laughs> We're getting out of here. Uh, but my dad is actually a famous artist in Kenya. Cool. Um, he was the first famous DJ in my country. Wow. And my mom is an artist, an activist. Like she, 
she just she's just into super cool she just does whatever needs to be done she's one of the people that was on the forefront of banning plastic bags in kenya um and just like she's just always doing cool stuff getting people in the village to use solar panels and not pay the electric company and um, you know, just like preserving Kenyan history by collecting pots that we used to cook before colonization and just mm. like stuff like that. Um, so yeah, my mom, my mom and dad are some of like the, the raddest people that I know for real. Do they ever try to encourage you to move back home to Kenya? No. No, for real, they're like, whatever. <laughs> and, you know, they get it. They yeah. they were here for 30 years. Um, and as, as all the things that America is, um, yeah, I do have just greater quality of life here than, than I do over there. So um, they, they're never stressing me too much about mm. it. But I haven't been home in over a decade um i'm sure it's changed a lot but yeah are they through visiting the states or do you guys meet somewhere in between or i haven't actually seen my parents in like 10 years um since i came here i haven't seen my dad but I'm super lucky and fortunate that my some of my friends uh, bought my mom a plane ticket from Kenya to come see me graduate college. Cool. So, yeah, I was super, super, super fortunate that they did that. You're lucky when you have generous, rich friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Do you have any siblings out here? Yeah, actually, that's, you know, sometimes I'd be like, how the heck did I end up here? And I'm like, oh, yeah, my brother's here. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, I have, uh, I have two older brothers. I'm the youngest. Um, my, I have an older brother here, and I have an older brother back back in Kenya. Okay. So they're, all, in they're both way older, like Detroit? 15 and 18 years older than me. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's how I ended up here in, in Detroit. Um, I was living in Kenya, and... Uh, I wanted to come back to America because I'm an American citizen, so I could mm-hmm. go to school and, you know, classic immigrant stuff for real. Like, just want to go to school, try and make a better life. And mm-hmm. I ended up here because my brother was here. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, so you said your dad was a DJ or mm-hmm. is still a DJ? No, he's not a DJ, but he's still an amazing selector. Like, he has... Sound selector. I, he definitely, like... He has an amazing taste. What are his thoughts about you being a DJ? Oh my gosh. Like we don't have like a relation, like too much of a relationship, but like since I've grown into my creativity, we've become closer. Mm-hmm. It's like I get him a lot more now. Um, and we just get each other a lot more. And he was, you know, we hadn't talked in like years. And I called him to let him know that I wasn't going to grad school and that I wanted to be a famous DJ instead. And he was like, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, my dad just wants me to to continue the art, artistic legacy. So mm-hmm. he's always given me anything that I needed to express myself. Um, and inc- fully encouraged it. So he was more than ecstatic. <laughs> you got to have your dad send you his um, archive of records and music. 
Oh my gosh, it's so ridiculous. He has like tapes and just like, just all kinds, it's just too much. I'm like, <laughs> whoa, dad, like this is ridiculous. So I was de- gonna DJ a reggae party. And my, like, my dad loves reggae. Um, so, of course, I was like, oh, dad, I'm DJing this reggae party. Um, who are some of your, I don't know, favorite artists, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, um, wait. And he hung up on me and never called me back. And then a couple of days later, some guy in Philly is like, hey, I'm your dad's friend. He says that you're DJing a reggae party. Um, what's your address? I have a hard drive of music to send you. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> you got the song. Yeah. you got the the goods. <laughs> Damn. And I still haven't been able to get through that hard drive. It's so ridiculous how much music is on there from all over the country ridiculous decades it's ridiculous that's awesome Mm -hmm. yeah i can't even wrap my head around that right now (laughs) so um what other things were influencing you and or like what were some things that you were influenced by living in san francisco zimbabwe kenya baltimore Mm -hmm. or even here like what kind of things did you grow up being interested in Mm. Yeah, I definitely try to I take I try to be influenced and tra- take inspiration from anything and ev- everything, whatever, good or bad. Um, and so all of the places that I've been, the things that were happening politically, culturally, socially, in pop culture, um, all of that influence, like my taste, my style, my my everything. Um, so like, for instance, San Francisco, when I lived in San Francisco, I was in the fourth grade. So that was around 2000, I don't know, four, some, something like that. But it was like around like early 2000s. So lots of was happening then. I remember, you know, like still having like brick phones and antennas and, um, AOL and Neopets and like, you know, just things like that, um, all those kinds of things that were happening. It was super cool and fun. Because, um, yeah, I feel like I didn't grow. I feel like it was a cool generation to grow up in because I didn't quite grow up in technology, like with technology. I grew up sort of like with like alongside it, I guess, mm-hmm. you know. Um so yeah, I always thought that was super cool, and the music that was that was happening then was really awesome. Like I was listening to like Destiny's Child, Alicia Keys, Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, InSync, like all that kind of shit. And that's the shit I love to play now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it's like all the music that you know how to you know all the words to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it's like ingrained in your DNA. No, for real. Exactly. So those that's like the music of my childhood. Mm-hmm. And that's a music I love to DJ the most. Um, I remember the first time I went to Ethiopia, I met some of my cousins and they gave me um Usher's C D. What 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 C D was that? It had um You Got It Bad and like Yeah, no, it was it was it Confessions? He had like two confessions. Or wait, no, he Confessions did. was the was the name of the no, song. No, no, no. It was even before those. It was, oh, even it, before it was like a it was an album with like a bunch of numbers on it. 
Yeah. So anyway, so like, you know, just like I remember my cousin giving me that CD and just like, yeah, listening to music on a Walkman and like all of those kinds of things. Um, I remember the first time I came, I think I came to Detroit. I came in the summer and songs like, you know, Nelly, Hot in Here and like Ashanti, Happy and stuff were like playing on the radio. And like, I just love stuff like that you know, hearing cool reggae music and like all that kind of stuff traveling all over Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, all of those kinds of things. Like I love animal print and that's because I like, I love going on safaris and stuff like that. And I like mixing animal print because I remember like what it looked like when, um, you know, a cheetah took down a zebra and like how cool those prints looked clashing against each other. Mm. You know, just like things like that, that I just take from all over. Totally. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Usher album was 8701. Yeah. It's like the orange one with like him spreading his arms or something. <laughs> Exactly. I was like seeing Usher like with his arm. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, that's awesome. Like that's, I feel like uh, your characters really built out of like your own culture and it's been a part of your life this whole time. And like, I think I love older things or not old things, but things like, um, like you're saying animal print and how that really speaks to you is like, that's mm-hmm. just part of your life. You know, mm-hmm. that's something you see every day. And like, I feel er- wherever you grow up, those kinds of inspirations kind of shape a person, you know, Totally. and that's a really cool, that's something that I can, I can't imagine a lot of people here, at least in our friend group has experienced, you know, <laughs> and I think it really shows because you're pretty different from everybody else here and in a good way, obviously. Thanks. um so when you were younger I guess like as a younger teenager um what did you think you wanted to be when you grew up you know what now that I'm like doing all this stuff and I'm like so happy I'm like whoa I never thought I'd be doing such cool shit Mm -hmm. I like what did I think I would be doing and I really truly don't know because like because I came back to America with just the mission of like going to school and like getting a degree. Mm -hmm. And that was just like so much the goal for so long that I didn't even really stop to think about what would happen after I got a degree and accomplish Mm -hmm. that mission because it took so long, you know, to get from like through high school and college and do all of that. That was like a 10 year, eight year mission for real Mm -hmm. to complete. Um, and I just really didn't think about the possibilities or what I really wanted to do after that. And I, I think what really did it for me was I applied to grad school and I was going to go the grad school route because that's what made sense to everyone, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but as I was waiting, I applied to grad school. And as I was waiting for my responses to my applications, I got into DJing. Mm. Um, And I don't know what I expected, but I didn't expect the DJing to take off quite the way that it did and how Mm. it did. And I realized like, oh shit, DJing is my passion and being creative is my passion. And I didn't know that before. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was really faced with this, like, the path that everyone thinks makes sense or accepting that I didn't really want to go to grad school and I wanted to explore this creative side of myself that I didn't know was there because I didn't have the time or whatever it was before to find that out about myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was really, really hard for me to like sit down with myself and accept that I wasn't into going to grad school, you know? Mm -hmm. Like that path did not look as lit to me. (laughs) (laughs) What what were you, what did you think you would, like what would you go to grad school for? I was going to go for like Africology because that's really like, I love school and I love learning. um, Mm -hmm. And that's my shit. I love being an academic. Um, So I was going to go for Africology and I actually got into NYU with a full ride. Um, And so I had to like choose. It was like NYU with the full ride. Mm -hmm. You know, that sounds crazy or being a DJ or like doing that. It's like, shit you know everyone thought it sounds crazy like what do you mean it's NYU with a full ride like Mm -hmm. go and so I was like man I really don't want to go to grad school because everyone thinks that's what I should do and then be resentful or be filled with regret that I didn't explore this other side of myself that I wanted to and I mean you're still young You, you might go in the future you know yeah exactly if you're feeling the dj thing like you should go that route and yeah you can do both eventually exactly and you know now um now i i think i can do both as the person i am now but then i don't think i could have because i'm just so like i can't i i i don't like to put too so much energy like into so many things and i know that grad school would have eaten up a lot of my energy Mm. so i was weary about the kinds of things that i would be able to do outside of grad school Mm. (laughs) you know um because we only have a finite amount of energy for real sure um so yeah just like thinking about those kinds of things but now that i'm i'm a more established dj and i like know how to dj and i'm not learning and still learning and going through a learning curve Mm -hmm. now i'd feel more comfortable doing it yeah it's like you're not learning two things yeah it's gonna be exactly how did you that's a lot besides inspired from your dad yeah what got you into djing like how did you go Um, from not djing to djing suddenly so i've always had like i know it sounds kind of douchey but i get it from my dad but i've always had good music taste um my dad my mom says that i've been even like i would dj like their parties as a kid and i would select music and i'd be like man this ain't hot this is what you need to listen to (laughs) so i've i've always been fire on the ox for real Mm -hmm. and i was like yo like that's just like DJing is like the next step up or just like, you know, if I have this skill, I think it's transferable in this way. And mm-hmm. I was just tired of going to parties and knowing what I wanted them to play and knowing what I wanted to hear and mm-hmm. them never fucking playing it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm my own vibe. Yeah. I know what I want to hear. I yeah. was like, you know what? These niggas ain't never going to play no Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to become a DJ. <laughs> gonna I'm going to play some Britney Spears at a party. Yeah. <laughs> um, <You are. laughs> 
and so yeah and then i realized like even before i became a dj um it's something i you see but you don't really notice mm-hmm. but nine out of ten djs are men yeah and so when i really started to think about it i realized that djs were the middlemen between artists and the public mm. and that's really important and powerful that means you're shaping what people are listening to and that's really important. You're preserving histories, you're pushing narratives, you're preserving certain narratives, you're, you know, all of these things that come with playing music that I don't think maybe a lot of people pay attention to. And then I started to realize like, yo, if these men, if like nine out of 10 DJs are men, and you know, they're not playing women's music, they're not, you know, archiving that musical history they're not keeping it alive in people's consciousness and just thinking Mm -hmm. about it from an anthropological perspective i started to think about language and how like when a language isn't spoken it dies and thinking about that with music um so i was like yo this is important you know like we can't just leave that job to dudes yeah um so that was one of the perspectives that i i sort of had on on djing and getting into it and i think in like ann arbor or ipsy when that's when you started getting to djing right Mm -hmm. um i feel like the numbers are even lower than Mm -hmm. nine out nine out of ten like Mm -hmm. or like one out of one out of ten djs are women i think it's more like one out of 20 or something like mm-hmm. they're there's so few mm-hmm. there's so little and um that's that is crazy yeah it's different Ooh. here in Detroit but um yeah it's uh, it's unbelievable mm-hmm. um so after leaving Ipsy mm-hmm. or after graduating you moved to Detroit is that what happened? Yeah. <clears throat> so I was still living in Ipsy and like trying to do that. And yeah, so I was DJing and then people in Detroit just like really fucked with me from jump mm-hmm. way more than in Ipsy and Ann Arbor. And so like 90 something percent of my gigs were in Detroit. So like yeah. Detroit literally sucked me in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I had no choice. It was like this is the only place for me to be. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, like, you know, even though the first the first month here was kind of rough, it was sort of like being born into the wild and trying to figure out how to run. <laughs> but um, <laughs> after that, it was it was pretty good. But I feel like I don't know. It's like you ever arrive somewhere and people are like, oh, you're finally here. We've been waiting for you. That's mm-hmm. sort of what it felt like when I came to Detroit. It's like everyone was like oh finally you're here yeah (laughs) like it makes sense yeah the community here is insanely supportive and like you were saying like even when i was in ann arbor like there are some supportive people but not enough to stay not enough to stay (laughs) (laughs) um were there any other places you were considering living besides detroit no, it, Detroit happened so organically for me. All mm. my gigs were here. I got offered a job here. I found an apartment walking distance from the job I was offered. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it just happened, like, just so seamlessly that it yeah. just, 
nowhere else made sense. Yeah, I remember on like your Instagrams, you're like, I need a ride to a party that I'm DJing from Ipsy mm-hmm. <laughs> or something. Like, like those are like happening all the time. And it seemed like you were living here, but you're just working here all the time. And I was yeah. like, it's just a matter of time since until you would come out here. And that's kind of like the same story that I have is like, there's just so much more shit popping here. And yeah. people actually care about what the next thing you're doing is. Yeah, exactly. Instead and like, of like, an oh, cool party. Exactly. And Gosh. then it's like, it's over. It's not like, when are you going to throw the next party? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And here it's like, people want to keep supporting. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, it just, yeah, like I said, Detroit absolutely just pulled me in. Um, and, you know, I try to look, I'm still trying to figure out like my community is here in Detroit. And so going anywhere else, like the thought of going anywhere else is sort of like difficult for me because like, I'm just like, well, I don't know where, unless it happens. So my thing is I like things to happen organically. Mm-hmm. So if it happens organically that I like move to another city, I'll, I'm open to it, but I'm not like pressing, I'm not pressing it per se. Yeah. Um, because yeah my community is just here in Detroit you know like I have everything that I need here to do whatever I want to do for real Mm -hmm. um so for now it's it's great for me but who knows in the future I'm I'm open did you have a party in Atlanta oh my gosh I DJed a party in Atlanta yeah uh, but it wasn't my party but you were invited to part or DJ out there Mhm. <clears throat> Man, that was it was that was a ridiculous thing. It just happened so organically like I hadn't I had that gig like an hour before I landed in Atlanta. It was pretty <laughs> it was pretty wild. Um and it was like Megan the Stallion's Fader Fort show after party. And it was just like so I was like what the heck this is random. <laughs> How did I get yeah. here? How did I get here? But Atlanta was amazing. I met so many cool, incredible people there. I just, I try to really meet cool, awesome people no matter where I go and Mm. really try to tap into those scenes and find cool DJs and cool parties because I really want to find like these random little places that people don't really talk too much about. Like Mm -hmm. someone's like, oh, there's a cool scene in Indiana. I was like, what? Send me some (laughs) DJs in a party and I'll come out, you know? Yeah. (laughs) um so you said you had some challenges moving to detroit Mm -hmm. was that because you didn't have a car or like what kind of things were you experiencing and like how did you come or get past those yeah for it was mostly the car thing um and you know it's always just like so I'm I'm huge on like I don't like when people talk a lot. I don't like talkers. I I like people that walk. I I want you to do the do the thing. Don't mm-hmm. talk about the thing. So you know, just always finding out who sh- who really shows up for you when it matters and doesn't just talk about showing up for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know the car situation and just like seeing, um, you know people. Just like the first month, people really trying to like play me on my money and like being mm. super disrespectful about stuff like that. And just like learning a lot of a lot of things, you know, I don't like to be, you know, 
like I'm, I prefer to be a nice person. Uh, and I think because I'm petite and I prefer to be a nice person, people think that I'm like <laughs> naive or easy to pull one over on. Um, mm. And I don't like that. So people often are putting me in spots I don't want to be in because they thought mm. that I was some other type of person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember, you know? remember you would share a lot of those stories mm-hmm. on Instagram. Just be like, pay me my money. I'm not going to do it for this amount or whatever like I think it's really important as an artist to really stick up for your your worth and value no seriously because these people out here they won't do it Mm -hmm. they will not do it (laughs) um and so yeah a lot of people just really yeah defending yourself against exploitation for real is is what it is you know finding a lot of people wanting to use my name on flyers for hype and to bring in my crowd and my following and stuff but not wanting to you know break me off with, with a piece of like a piece of the pie that you know so i'm like yo if i brought in if my name on a flyer brought in da-da-da people what do you mean <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah just a lot of a lot of things like that so just contracts learning how to take people to small claims court and like all that kind of kind of stuff is super important as an independent or like an an artist that's trying to trying to do their thing um what did you want to establish yourself as when you when you moved out here i know you were getting like work and jobs but like what what was something that you wanted to create for yourself when you moved here um, I really wanted to be a DJ that like, I just wanted to DJ like events that people genuinely like would come to and actually enjoy themselves and express themselves and have a good time. Um, and just even if it's for an hour or two of a party, just like be themselves for some time, you know? Mm-hmm. For so many people, I mean, they would tell me that, <clears throat> you know, that two hours or that three minutes that they they forgot about everything that was happening, that means a lot to me. Because, um, yeah, there is a lot, there's a lot of violence and a lot of things in the world. And so to make a person not think about those things, even for the duration of a song, I think is really, really important work. Um, Or just someone being like, oh my God, I haven't heard that song since I was, you know, this, this year's old. Eight years old. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like that, that means a lot. Yeah. Like, or when I, when I remember when I played the, the first time I played a Britney Spears song at a party and just like seeing how crazy the girls all went. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all like, about establishing that connection and, mm-hmm. you know, that common interest. You mm-hmm. get to share that with people, you know. Yeah, I've seen people grow closer and have these, like, just, um, I've just witnessed so many beautiful moments while DJing and just created so many amazing moments with people. Like, I remember even seeing, you know, being, bringing friends closer together. I remember I played this one song and this guy he was like oh my god bro uh, you like icy twat i didn't i didn't know that this whole time 
I like him too. And I saw these like friends that had been friends for like years, like, like be get closer over like not knowing that they were both into the same music, you know, mm-hmm. and just like things like that. And I just love stuff like that. And I think it's cool that music does that. And seeing how many different kinds of people come together for music is honestly the most amazing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, those are some of the things that are my favorite. What was the moment like for you when you felt like you've gained some traction in the city and like all the work that you're putting in and like all the trust that you're just putting yourself out there mm. authentically? Um, what was that like for you? Oh, man, it's oh, my gosh, it just feels so good when you're when something that you say or like something that you wanted to do or be is like recognized. And I think it was I think one was DJing at Mopop was like, what? I'm at Mopop. Yeah. <laughs> that was super cool. And like, I remember running into Kali Uchis backstage after Mopop because I didn't get to see her set because I was DJing at the same time she was mm-hmm. performing. Mm-hmm. And we ran into each other backstage and I was like, wow, like, yo, we're here at the same fucking festival. <laughs> roles. this is crazy like this is the stuff for me this is where i'm supposed to be for real Mm -hmm. and i think also djing kareem riggins party and having my name headline like next to common yeah um that was like whoa (laughs) okay yeah i'm doing the thing (laughs) and like just like seeing your name and like reading it like problematic black hottie like (laughs) it just hits in a different kind of way you know what i mean like it's so it's awesome it's really it's really cool and i'm glad that people are on on board with that me too for real like and i'm just i wanted to be you know authentic and organic and natural and people to fuck with it because they fuck with it Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I think I think also when um yeah, so the common Kareem Riggins thing, all of that, I was like, wow, people like they fuck with me. <laughs> yeah. Um that felt really good. And just like rock any party I rock and just like having people, all kinds of people, middle-aged black women, you know, like, you know, young, young whoever, just like it's so it's amazing. Um so being recognized for that, and I think at the Kareem Riggins party thing, because all of those DJs were OGs to me, like they've been DJing for like however long, and for them to be like, you know, to recognize me and to to be be like, yo, you you rocked that set, you were amazing, mm-hmm. um, and so to to get that recognition from some OGs feels really good because I feel like there's um. There's, you know, OGs and new new age DJs. I don't know. I feel like there's not as much respect there as there, there should be. Mm. Um, and I definitely get the divide, I guess. But uh, there's definitely a lot to be learned from each other. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they the OGs have paved the way and had mm-hmm. to, like, go through a lot more. So I feel like they're just a little bit more protective of... yeah certain things mm-hmm. and they might be like this is a lot harder than it seems or whatever but like <laughs> you got the juice you got the, like it doesn't matter you know like right you're a good dj it doesn't it's like 
it's all about how you move the crowd, you know, and it like is. how and well you know the I music. Realized it is all about how you move the crowd because all all those things, the technicalities, the da da da, the blah blah blah. All that matters is how the crowd responds to it. Because it doesn't matter if you're the most technical DJ ever and the crowd ain't fucking with you. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the crowd has it's a certain like, expectation. And if you can meet those expectations, then like, good job. Mm-hmm. You know? And I realize like when I have a good time, people seem to have a, a, a good time when I'm having a good time. So for me, having enjoying the my music and enjoying my performance mm-hmm. is part of my performance sure mm-hmm. um what's the og problematic black hottie like compared to 2021 problematic black hottie oh my gosh wow i'm such a different person now oh i feel like there was a shift and oh yeah there totally I'm just, was i'm curious like what that shift was for you mm-hmm um you know what i'm actually there was a shift and i'm really i think it was so many things so many people just like you know i went to therapy landmark like working out so many things Mm. just changed you know just getting closer to myself more mindful more thoughtful more more so many things um mm-hmm. and also yeah no people were right as you get older you you can't be you can't be lit turned up 100 percent flames all the time <laughs> yeah you know a candle can only burn so long <laughs> <laughs> so realizing not to not i don't that i i don't need to burn through my candles and just like you mm. know simmering simmering down for sustainability's sake yeah you know um so i want to ask to kind of shift gears a little bit i want to ask you how important manicures are in your lifestyle (gasps) (laughs) so important was that always the thing you were doing no it wasn't it wasn't i started getting my nails done on my birthday Mm mm-hmm Cause I was like, you know what? I want to do something a little special, a little different. I didn't get my nails done before that. And everyone was always like, why don't you do your nails? Why don't you get your nails done? You would love it. Like, cause people know, everyone knows I love aesthetics and expressing aesthetics. So they're like, nails would totally be your aesthetic. It would be another way to express yourself. And I just wasn't into it for some reason, I guess. Um, and then I got them done for my birthday. Oh my God. It was over after that. Which birthday was it? Just uh, July, like my last birthday, my COVID birthday. Oh my God. It was like literally less than like six. It was like six months ago. Yeah. Just six. Was your first manicure? Literally. Oh my God. Yeah. That's crazy. (laughs) I'm shocked. I I would think that you have always been doing your nails. You, it feels so right. And it just makes so much sense. But no, I just started and I'm obsessed and it's definitely the lifestyle for me. <laughs> so shout out to Bay for paying for my nails. Love <laughs> <you>. <laughs> um, who has some of the best nails in the game? Ooh, just in general? Yeah, like who are your nail inspos? I love Megan the Stallion's nails and Cardi B. I would I wouldn't get 
Cardi B's nails because they're mm-hmm. just like way too glamorous and rich bitch extravagant. <laughs> you know, I girl, I, yeah. I got a real job. You know, I gotta use my hands to make my money. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I follow a lot of like just like not just like nail like they are some on some next level nail artistry installation type stuff that I'm I'm into. Um, yeah, just like yeah, things like that. And who else? What else? Yeah, I'm just always looking for inspo wherever uh, mm. someone hit me up and they want to do some cool, really weird stuff on my nails. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> um. So, what's what's your best kind of manicure? There's the basic. There's gel, acrylic, mm-hmm. shellac, press on. Um. What else? Gotta is there? have me acrylic. I love it. I wish I did it. But one second, let me plug in my laptop. Okay. Yeah, I'm an uh, acrylic baddie all all day. It's totally messed up my my natural nails, but I honestly don't care. <laughs> I don't I don't love it when my when the the nail starts to like feel a little burn when you feel like the layer's like a little too thin. I and hate like, that as well. This is so weird feeling. It's, it's a totally strange sensation and you're absolutely right. I also like, because I'm used to having nails now, when I don't have them, I have to make an adjustment. So uh, my boyfriend pointed out that I, I still do things like I have nails on, even when I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's part of your, um, your motor skills now. No, for real. It's like, it's like phantom, having phantom, phantom limbs. Nails. Yeah. <laughs> Phantom nails. I also have that with hair. I, I yeah, when did you hair. when did you cut your hair off? I cut it two. I feel like I ever since I've known you, you've had the short haircut. Yeah. And honestly, I wish I'd always had short hair. Growing hair was a stupid decision. I don't know why I did that. Um I cut it. I had a terrible 2016, so I think I cut it 2017. Mm. and I've never looked back. I wish I had known I had a perfectly round head. (laughs) (laughs) And I would have cut my hair years ago. (laughs) But yeah, I love not having hair. It's It's the best. And like, I think hair is cute on other people and stuff, but it's just not my vibe personally. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy how not like just not having hair around my head or face looks it also makes my style look way cooler mm-hmm. for some reason and more like fashion forward which i like yeah it's definitely a vibe and a look it's a vibe. for sure and not everyone can pull it off so it's like if you got it like you should go for it exactly i'm like everyone can look cute with hair but not everyone looks <laughs> cute with no hair <laughs> yeah that's true um so i wanted to cover a few things First, I want to talk about um, 
your fitness and your your workout routine. I know you touched on it a little bit when we're, when I asked you about the transition from the OG problematic black hottie to the current one, Mm -hmm. um, what inspired you to start working out? Oh man, Uh, I can't believe you got me talking about working out. I love working out. (laughs) It's so good. It's, it's the best stuff. Um, I used to hate fitness. I thought it was disgusting. I was like, ew, why would Mm -hmm. you do fitness? Did you play any sports growing up? Yeah. So before I came back to America and I became a lazy American, I was really athletic. I played all the sports, swimming, softball, track, um, soccer, you know, all, all the stuff. Um, but then after that, I just like was not athletic for a super hell of a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when lockdown happened and we couldn't leave our houses for real, for real, mm-hmm. I was like, uh oh, I felt the depression like on the bay coming for me. I was like, no. Mm-hmm. So I, I heard that working out was good for mental health. So mm-hmm. two weeks into lockdown, I was like, yep. I got to get into that. Um, so I, I did. And yeah, I never looked back. For the first couple months, it was mostly just relying on discipline mm. until it became a habit for me. And then after I started seeing some gains and it became a habit, oh my gosh, like my mental health, depression, anxiety, like everything so much better. Like if I don't work out in the morning or in a day, Ooh, I'd be feeling all types of messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just feel like, oh my gosh, my mental, my mental state is so much healthier. My body, um, way more amazing, like stronger, healthier, more fit, more capable, just like feeling so much more powerful in my body. Mm-hmm. Like <clears throat> I realized like, yeah, I never felt strong before. And like, I never was confident in myself when the task that required any amount of physical strength whatsoever. And like now, like my confidence and my relationship with my body is just like so much, so ridiculous. Yeah. It gives you so much confidence. It gives you a lot of pride and like, Mm -hmm. it really translates to everything that you do in your life, you know? Exactly. And so because I'm also petite, um, I don't like that I'm petite, but you know, motherfucking can't do nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> and so for me, working out is a way that, you know, I feel I feel better about, you know, things I may not like about my body. And I just think it's so cool that through repeated movement and food, you can change your body. That's so cool. What you the can, heck? You control your body, you know? You can do whatever you want with it. Exactly. And I was like, yo, like, I only have one body. Like, this isn't a car. Like, I can't just go to the dealership and just buy another one if it breaks down or, like, what the fuck ever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, and I realized, like, yo, this thing is mad. It's crazy. Like, Mm -hmm. what is it even? I got to take care of it. And it needs to be optimum, you know? Yeah. There's no reason for it not to be. Yeah. Especially if you wanna, if you want longevity and you wanna like, be fit to, be available for whatever scenario you want to put yourself in. You Precisely. Know? 
So um, now that I work out, it's a lifelong, it's a lifelong thing. I don't see why the heck I would ever stop doing it. And do you have a workout partner? Because it can be hard if it's just yourself. Yeah, I've only known working out at home. All my mm. gains, everything I've done has been right, right at home in front of the TV on the carpet for real. Um, I haven't worked out with people. I haven't known gym working out. Mm. Um, so for me, it's it's different. I don't know if I would even enjoy working out with other people. <laughs> um, yeah. Dude, you yeah. got to start a fitness video. Yeah, so many people, like, because I've transformed my body so much, and I'm so happy about it. Like, people are asking me, like, what's your routine? What are you doing for your legs? What's your diet? I'm like, you know what? Maybe I, I should. I want to do a little fitness diary because I'm still working on, on my body quite a bit, and I still have my goals to meet. But it's really cool that I'm inspiring other people because, for real, if I can do it, I really think anybody should be able to to like quit playing i quit playing and i got to it mm -hmm. <laughs> for real yeah you know so it's just one yeah, more I thing to show people one more thing to add to your uh patreon arsenal make people Yo, pay for it i've really been thinking about that shit ever since you came to the shop and you told me that i was really like wow that is such i can't believe this <laughs> so <laughs> I'm trying to get that shit together pronto. Apply wanna... Patreon the same way you like apply your fitness workout. Mm -hmm. Just do it. Make a schedule. Yeah. Quit <laughs> um, playing and do it. That's what I like to say. Quit playing. Yeah. How does <laughs> this lifestyle, um, your fitness lifestyle impact your creativity? Oh, yeah. That's and I guess question. I guess you touched on like your well-being and mental mm -hmm. and emotional health, but like mm -hmm. creatively, how does it how has it impacted you? Mm. You know, I think that working out clears the gunk from my spirit, my interior, my psyche, and all of that that I need to be creative. Mm. I think that that's that's what it is. Um, yeah. what would you say to someone who's too lazy or says they don't have time to work out <laughs> other than quit playing? <laughs> <laughs> um, if I could, I wish I could sh show people or demonstrate or have them feel how much better they could feel in their body mm. if they work out. Cause if I had known that I could feel this good in my body before, I would have worked out so much sooner. I just had no idea, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that investing, there's no, there's nothing that's more worthy of investing in than your body. Yeah. Straight up. Totally. So yeah, that's really what I realized. No, no matter rich, poor, no matter what your status or identity is, investing in your body is is always a good idea yeah and i think so, my yeah. next um topic i wanted to talk a little bit more about was like your djing but mm. i feel like working out and being confident in your body and fitness i think it really reflects the um it, it, i guess it enhances the feminine energy that mm -hmm 
you're always trying to communicate. Yeah. Um, do you think that makes a difference in how you perform as a DJ also? Mm-hmm. No, totally. Um, because like I said, like the way I feel in this body relative to the way I felt in my previous body, like, yo, I'm strong, I'm charged up, I'm confident, mm-hmm. I'm capable, I'm disciplined, I'm consistent, I'm resilient, I'm all of these things. And in my old body, my not my old body, my other body, I felt weak and fragile and small, mm-hmm. smaller, you know, and all of these things. And now I'm like, <laughs> yeah do you think your yeah. music choices reflect that also sometimes <laughs> hmm. yeah because i do i love i think i'm even more into like bad bitch rap mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you know what i mean sure you're like you, you see yourself when they when you hear that music right exactly yeah Exactly. So yeah, I think it's definitely definitely translated in all all these aspects of my life and expression. Mm-hmm. Um, you're saying that there was like this void where like feminine or like the music that you like to play mm-hmm. isn't celebrated, and um, you want to like share the music that you're influenced by. Mm-hmm. What exactly is it about this? feminine centered energy that Mm -hmm. you're gravitated by I wonder about that and um it's just so natural I just I don't know sometimes it's hard to tell why you'd love something but I Mm -hmm. was recently thinking about I was like why do I love femininity and feminine energy so much but I don't know it's just like it just makes me feel so good and just um I think also there's obviously, because of patriarchy, an imbalance of masculine energy, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, and that's because patriarchy demands so much space uh, and demands that femininity be smaller to, to take up that space. Uh, and so mm-hmm. because I think of that due to that imbalance, I think maybe that's why I love femi- femininity is because, um, yeah, I just see it as out of balance to this, this too much masculine, masculine energy that's happening everywhere. Yeah. Do you think um, more people, I guess men and women are mm-hmm. being more drawn to that? Like this yeah. energy? Yeah, I really hope so. Um, and I kind—I wanted to just take them in. <laughs> yeah, take the lead, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I think that that's really what it is. It's just like yeah, there's just so much male dominance ugh, that it's like yeah, we need some feminine. We just need fem- more feminine energy, more fans everywhere, everything. Yeah, absolutely, girl power. <laughs> um. So Detroit as we know, is the birthplace of techno and Motown and some rock. But how are you able to find your lane as a DJ in the DJ circuit that's heavily occupied by these by these DJs? Oh my gosh, great question, because it's definitely a thing. And that's one of the reasons I became a DJ is because of that exactly. Um, and... Like, I love all those genres, but I mm-hmm. also sort of felt like there's not 
there's like separation or just like I just want to go to a party and be able I don't want to just go to a techno party or just a house party or just a that party mm-hmm. I don't want to do that I want to yeah. hear all that shit at one fucking party yeah. <laughs> um so I think that was also my problem is like not feeling like I also was hearing the things that I wanted to hear the kind of exact vibe that I was looking for Mm -hmm. um and so I'm really glad that I just kept pushing the sound that I'm into and have you know people find me and relate to that sound and that's sort of what happened is like you know I found other DJs that had that sound or they found me or we got connected in some way um and so like you know i love girl djs and femme djs of course they're the best and they're rad um but like i wasn't finding a lot of other girl djs that had the sound that i like and the sound that i have mm-hmm. as much as like other guys um that were also like yeah this is the kind of music i'm into i also like house and techno and reggae and future beats and alternative R&B and you know blah 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 and you know so we found each other and we made it work so yeah just it happened organically people just connecting with each other and so yeah so it's just about playing the music I love mm-hmm. and just like people hearing that and being like yo I love that music too <laughs> and that's really how I gained so many of my followers organically it's just playing that shit paying attention to what other DJs weren't playing and playing that shit and having people be like, what? I listen to that too. I've never heard a DJ in Detroit play that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just things like that. What was, um, what was your first party in Detroit? Oh, oh my gosh. My very, very first one was Valentine's day, 2000, just 2018. Was that 2018? Yeah, I graduated 2017. So I was booked to play this like loft party. Um, I love a loft party. But this was my first gig and I was such a rookie and I had none of the right stuff, no sound cables. It was just an utter shit show. But that gig taught me the most. I've never learned from a gig, I think, as much as I learned from my very first one. So ever since then, I bring all my own sound cable i got all the motherfucking sound cables you need everything i got xlr to quarter inch to quarter inch to female to male to blah 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 i got Mm -hmm. it all (laughs) like extension cable like all my own stuff (laughs) what was your original setup my original setup yeah uh that i had like for djing yeah um, I just had a tractor, tractor and a laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing, nothing too ridiculous. Um, I don't like to do speakers because I'm just one person and I'm mm. a small girl. So you got muscles now, much. though. I do. Have, I am buff now, but it's still <laughs> inconvenient. <laughs> it's still inconvenient. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was one of my first parties, and then. What else did I... Yeah, that's the one I I remember the most. And then my first... Another one of my first parties was... um, Like, the one that was for real was I DJed... You know the house party parties? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I DJed a house party party. And that that really helped things out. 
because one yeah. of them they had heard me dj at an art babes art opening cool and they were like yo you play the same music as us what's <laughs> with us mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah so yeah house party parties are my favorite to dj because i really get to like showcase my my style and people really fuck with it yeah those are good parties for sure such good parties great music it's a good break too from like the house and techno and disco and yeah it's it's yeah it's definitely groovy exactly um um, tell me about the experience you had when you were when you opened up for a track and like how did that come about oh my god Gosh, how did that come about? Um, yeah, I think that they just like emailed me. They've been the people that put that on and organized that. Um, I went to like college with one of their brothers and then their sister ended up fucking with me and she's in mm. entertainment and, Whoa. you know, just a weird like long line of connection, but they were just like, yo, we mess with you. A track is coming. Do you want to open for him? I was like, what? Okay. And like, you know, I didn't know that I was like the second headliner until I got the flyer, because I didn't know who else they had asked to be. I didn't, I didn't know nothing. I was just like, okay, cool. And then they sent me the flyer, and it was like, A-Track and Problematic Black Hottie. Like, Dude. <laughs> I was so pumped for you when I saw that. A-Track is the shit. I could not believe it. I was like, yo, this is a real thing right now um so yeah i i was so nervous i was like my that was like a really big show he has like half a million followers yeah it's so a like, pretty big deal yeah so i was like whoa i was so nervous oh my god i thought i was gonna faint but i was like <laughs> you know what just do do your thing enjoy the music you selected and just that's all you can do. And um, I was, you know, he's a, he's the star. So I didn't like expect to, I didn't know if he would be there or not, but he came and caught like the last like 15 minutes or so of my set. And he was like, really like watching me and like, you know, watching how I was, me and the crowd were responding to each other and interacting and stuff. And he gave me big ups. I could not believe it. Oh yeah. I was like, oh. Well, well deserved though. (laughs) it's like yo like he acknowledged it so he was like yo you're great you have really good crowd control i was like wow yep and like you know i just downplayed like oh i guess i mean i don't know i'd be selecting songs but (laughs) when he was like yo you're good i was like wow maybe i i do kind of you know i i do do the thing (laughs) (laughs) doing the damn thing (laughs) so yeah that was such a fun fun night um and forever in the books and you also got a little article written about you in the billboard that was a pretty major move that was super you know what now that you're telling me what i've done i'm like yo (laughs) (laughs) i did do that didn't i yeah that was so i could not believe that i was like billboard me problematic black hottie lit Mm -hmm. because it was like they were doing a write-ups for like you know cool places to dance and like what to do when you're in different cities Mm -hmm. um and so for Detroit they were like you know 
I'm one of the DJs that you that you gotta tap in with if you come to to yeah. this to this city, and that meant a lot to me for real. That's the kind of DJ that I want to be. It's like, oh, if you're in the city, you you gotta go see you know so and so. You know, yeah, that's, and that's it was um it was a pretty cool group too because like Beige was in it and mm-hmm. DJ Holographic and those are that's a good group of women to be around with you know yeah like that I, I was like wow this this is like that's it you know and I remember I DJed I thrown a little party and man this this little venue couldn't have been bigger than a, a living room and it was so fun so lit and this guy he was like yo I'm shopping for a city I was considering Detroit. I really wasn't sure I was feeling it until I heard your set and I came to this party and I'm like, yeah, I think I, I can live here. That's, awesome. That means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what means a lot to me. And so I want to be DJing so many parties and so many events that I'm essentially curating the, I'm helping curate Detroit's soundscape. Yeah. And like, at these parties like you never know who's gonna show up mm-hmm. and who's gonna listen who's no gonna, literally like... and i try to play this if i got five people 50 people or 500 people in the crowd i'm gonna put on that show yeah. and i've literally been in shows where i open and like three people were there and then like literally this happened I, I opened and i did a show that i opened and three people were in the crowd and one of them messaged me a week later and was like yo I'm the founder of this festival. You, I saw you uh, open at so-and-so. Would you want to play? What the three people in the crowd? Yeah. That's all you need. (laughs) You just need one. You just need one. (laughs) And I I love shit like that. Because at first I was like, oh, man, three people. But I was like, man, I'm having a great time. And this other guy was having a great time too. And so great enough to message me. And like that's I love that. Mm-hmm. And that's the yeah. cool thing too about Detroit. It's like it's cool to not know everybody because like the people you don't know, you're mm-hmm. like, who are they? Mm-hmm. You just gotta like, but like like you said, you just gotta show up for yourself. And I mean, things got things are gonna happen when you do. So exactly, exactly. That's what I realized. So I was like, yeah, just authenticity, being organic. All, all of those things are, mm-hmm. are like what's important for me. Like if it flows, then yeah, I'm with it. Um, how did your collab or like your residency at Paramita with uh, Nick Speed come about? The 94 uh, to East Africa party? Oh, thanks for asking about that. Yeah, so I actually, like I'd always heard about Paramita this, Paramita that, but I didn't live in Detroit. Like I was out mm-hmm. in Ipsy when I was hearing a lot about them. Mm-hmm. And then when I became a DJ and I broke into the scene, that's when they had kind of like gone um, underground for a little bit. Um, and they were doing, you know, getting the new space ready. So I did, mm-hmm. I never got to see Parameter, you know, got to experience it. Or was it like, uh, was it a monthly party that they would do or something like they that? They had those parties on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Beat profile or something. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So... I never got to see none of those or anything, but you know, I kept hearing about them and I I think eventually I was like, yo, why haven't these guys hit me up? Like, do they not rock with me? Do they not fuck with me? So I was about to go up in there like, yo, what's up? 
why haven't y'all asked me to do nothing? <laughs> and they actually hit me up before I did that. And they were like, yo, we rock with you. We see what you're doing. We have an idea. I, I hadn't known Nick Speed before that. And they were like, yeah, we want you to have a residency. We're thinking we want you to do it with this other guy. And I'm like, hmm, that's weird. Like, what, why would... And they just had, like, they just knew our vibes mm-hmm. and our styles. And they just, they knew that they would be complimentary. And they sort of gave us this concept of, you know, just wanting this complimentary thing um, with a female DJ and a male DJ. Mm-hmm. Um, and it worked. And so we brainstormed a name. Um, and then we, yeah, so... Uh, Jadena had the album 85 to Africa and I liked that so I'm from East Africa and you know we have the 94 highway so we came up with 94 to East Africa for for the name to represent to represent us um and also the kind of styles that we would be playing you'd Mm -hmm. hear Detroit music like African music like whatever we're feeling totally that's awesome mm-hmm. um, yeah you have you before that were you ever doing like a back-to-back set with anybody or was that the first time that was the first time for real um and i'm glad it worked out because you know you can't just be doing that kind of stuff with anybody you know do our vibes go together like yeah. it, is it going to be weird you know you can't just be clashing vibes and yeah. jarring people so yeah he's the first person i did it with and and i'm glad yeah i feel like that was like a really strong summer and you know like 2020 even though the whole shit show the pandemic happened like you were still out there doing these parties um more like civil rights inspired events um what was it like for you to play music for those types of moments especially with like the black lives matter movement happening pretty strongly in the city yeah i think that it made me realize that no matter what's happening with humans politically socially all those things they want to hear music Mm. (laughs) they want to hear music the world is ending. They want to hear music. It's post-apocalypse and they want to hear music. It's like so, their celebration. Yeah. And I had to do some reconnecting because I felt like DJing was really my purpose. Like not my purpose, but just like not one of, not my whole purpose, but one of my purposes. Um, and I sort of had to reconnect with that because COVID transformed the way I'm able to do that of course because I'm such a it's such a people-based craft um and I was like oh man like I just play music that's not important or relevant or con- you know helpful in any way or whatever and I realized that yeah there's no point to all of this to revolution to being radical to changing these systems to doing all of this if we're not dancing and having fun, mm. there's not nothing. Why would we be doing that? <laughs> For what? Yeah. To be like, how does that, what is that? How does that make sense? You know? And so that yeah. made me realize like, yeah, like people, they want to hear music and, and um, 
that's important. So yeah, I think that that's, that's really what, what helped with, with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And like, how does, how does that like translate to doing a party or playing a set mm -hmm. that's like totally on a different vibe? Yeah. Um, or is it the same kind of music or same intention? Yeah, I think it's the intention that that goes that goes into it because um, I think the quote that really guides my thought process on that is um, "What's the point of revolution if we can't dance?" So that's really how I I think about it. <laughs> How so, often yeah. are you thinking about music or like working on music? You know, I've I've disconnected from DJing just a little bit for some reason, just because I'm not. It's just so different for me. Like being able to not not being able to play in front of people is very difficult because it's sort of like having a conversation with yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but I need to be. I'm always listening to music. I look for music every day. And mm -hmm. I add about 200 songs a month to my library. Wow. Yeah. Um, are you, so, yeah. Are you producing any music or like what's the Not future look yet. like? I, want to I think I want to produce, but I'm like overwhelmed. Like it's just such a huge learning curve, I think. Mm -hmm. And my problem is that I want to do too many things. And I also expect to be good at whatever I do. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So like it's hard. The, the best way to get your feet wet with that is like really working with another person, like mm -hmm. another producer or sound yeah. engineer. Yeah, I like would be me. into that. Because I feel um, like a lot of people, <laughs> sorry, mm -hmm. uh, I feel like a lot of people do support you and fuck with you in the, like the music industry. And I think if you put your, put the word out there, I think you'll get a pretty good response. Yeah, and I definitely want to because, yeah, if people like when people are encouraged, they encourage me to do something, I'd be like, dang, maybe I should do that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, people have encouraged me a lot to get into production and it's not something I'm opposed to, but I would love mentorship and like help with that. Mm -hmm. And I would definitely, definitely do it. Um, but I also um, realize I need to pick up some photography skills. So I want to learn more photography skills, basic stuff this year and learn Lightroom and stuff this year as well. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I'm getting just more into shooting stuff and uh, just wanting, you know, just getting, getting a little sweeter with that. Cause I have lots of concepts and I don't want to constantly rely on someone else to shoot them for me. Yeah. And people have been really responsive to the set designs I've posted so far on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I would love to be able to just have people come over and I'll, I just, you know, shoot, shoot them myself. Um, so, yeah, those are some of the things that I, I'm into. So I guess you're transition, not transitioning, but like, even though you might be doing less music, you're doing more of other stuff. And like, I feel like that fashion side of you has kind of taken more presence in your life yeah especially yeah especially because i can't dj the way i want to right now mm -hmm. i'm like okay well i guess i'll occupy my time and 
expression with other things because yeah dj would have taken up so much of that before because i'd be djing like maybe three four days a week mm-hmm. and then always getting ready for the next show yeah um, so this has given me yeah just exploring more things um i was really surprised by the style thing and you know just like the way that came up i didn't realize that my uh instagram followers were like so into it so just expanding on that and seeing where that can take me mm-hmm. um but yeah I'm, I'm still into music and djing but you know just because of the circumstances right now it's not the same but i'm looking to host a monthly you know like online radio show or something um and I'll be releasing mixes more. I feel bad for not giving people any any music or vibes these last couple months. They're getting visuals, though. They are getting visuals. You're right. They're getting something, even they if it's are. not okay. music. Yeah, um, so if people follow me just because they fuck with me, then they'll be having a great time with whatever I post and whatever's mm-hmm. coming up. But if people only follow me because like, they only like my DJing or they only like this, then I don't know what to tell them. I think it's hard to separate the two, honestly. Yeah. You know, like you are all those things. Exactly. But it's hard really to separate excited. you from the music anyway, you know. Exactly. But yeah, I'll be definitely releasing more music stuff, more mixes, monthly mix, continuing to update my my uh, monthly Spotify playlist and mm. um, yeah, stuff like that. Um, When did the like, the fashion, the clothing, mm-hmm. the styling, when did that become a thing for you? So I was pretty intentional and thoughtful about, you know, becoming a DJ and my image and all of those things. I wanted everything to be thoughtful. I didn't mm-hmm. want to just do stuff, you know? And so my style was always an important part of my DJ performance and persona and stuff. Um, And that's something that I thought about from the beginning. So yeah, I just wanted, since I was going to be in front of people, in front of parties, on stages, it made sense that I should dress well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, For real. And so I'm like, well, I should really display showcase my style showcase my aesthetic showcase all of these things about myself if i'm going to do that also noticing frankly that other djs just don't seem to care that didn't seem to care as much (laughs) so yeah yeah, so yeah i think that that was one of it one of the things so yeah just wanting to cultivate a style and an image that was on brand and recognizable um and that people were attracted to do you remember the first look you put on from with that like mentality from like maybe not being so thoughtful with your Mm -hmm. outfit versus the moment when all you did was care about what you wore yeah I actually started like really in college and I used to think that you could only be cute on special occasions like you can only dress nice and wear a nice outfit on special occasions and when I got to college and I made more like girlfriends and you know I was just like man they dress cute every day like I can look cute whenever I want and Mm -hmm. so I think that that was a huge shift for me was just like something as simple as that is realizing like, hey, I can get, I can look put together and nice all uh, every day if I want. 
Um, and yeah, I think, um, I don't remember the first outfit I vaguely do. Um, and I remember feeling pretty, pretty great. I remember feeling like when I put on a, when I wear a great outfit and an outfit that people's, I use, um, a lot of design elements to put together my outfits. And so like when I put together an outfit that your eyes have to look at, that makes me feel so good. You know, like when I put on a great outfit that someone needs to, has to look at, I feel sexy, powerful, attractive, like all of these things. You're I making feel people like, feel a certain way. Yeah, you know, and that makes me feel great. So I don't know why anyone wouldn't want to feel that way just from clothes, you know, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. When I really got into it, I was like, oh, my God, I'm obsessed. And so, honestly, I became even more obsessed with style and fashion because of lockdown. Mm -hmm. Because all the money I'm not spending in my regular life, I've been spending on clothes and curating my wardrobe. So, shopping online has honestly replaced every pre-COVID pleasure I ever had. (laughs) (laughs) And I quote... um, I don't wear outfits. I create looks. <laughs> um, what does this represent to you? Uh, for me, I think that reveals an essence of a like clothes are a craft for me, mm-hmm. and style is a skill. Um, and anyone can wear an outfit. Literally, you know, like an outfit is an outfit. Mm-hmm. But a look, that's another thing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, for me, I'm using, like, color theory and design concepts and all of these kind of different things to put together outfits or mm-hmm. looks. And I think that it, you can tell, and that stands out. Totally. Um, what would you describe your style as? <gasps> Oh my God, that's hard. But I would say 90s Y2K pop princess Bratz doll. Mm. (laughs) I agree. Um, Are you inspired by a different genre or era or is that solely like that's your pocket? It just really 90s and Y2K really does it for me mm. uh, but I do love 70s as well um, what do you love I, about the Y2K era fashion era I, I really don't know man I it just vibes with me so much like and I'm really loving it right now especially thinking about Y2K in 2000 in 2021 and how, you know, back then it was this concept of something happening that would, like, drastically change the world. And, you know, now it's 21 years later and sort of that same thing is happening again. And also Y2K fashion has cycled back around at the same time that that's happening. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a, excuse me, a really interesting just circle. Um, but that's what I grew up in, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. just a, that's. Just just nostalgia for me y2k is nostalgia for me um do you feel like that same girl Mm -hmm. when (laughs) 
you were wearing or like you were in the peak of that era? Yeah, like wearing outfits that I saw on, you know, like Spice Girls growing up or Britney Spears or Legally Blonde watching those movies and like wearing similar outfits to that just remind it's just a sort of form of nostalgia and Mm-hmm. Um, and I swear, I think I'm especially in love with it right now because of what's happening with COVID, you know, just like nostalgia for, for pre-COVID life. Mm. Um, and I think that's, uh, I think that's really what it is. And I think we're just gravitated to the aesthetics of our childhood often. Sure. Um, it's like a, a very cozy, emotional place for everyone, I feel like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and I remember having the blue Apple computer and like <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's that's really what it is, and I just it's just such a vibe. It's a look, um, and clothes are just made so much cooler than designed cooler quality is better. Yeah. Um. Than it is now. I just don't like what they be designing now. I'm just not in, really into it like that. And the quality is so terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Do you have a look that you created in the past that you thought was too edgy or too problematic? <laughs> At first, until it became my signature, mm-hmm. my little like loincloth skirt that has the the slits all the way up. Mm. I was almost, almost too risque, but then it became like my signature look. And then I remember you, you have like a denim one. I think yeah. you wore it to the hard gallery a couple of times. Mm-hmm, that's the one. <laughs> so they'd be like, what? <laughs> when I wear that, um, it can make people uncomfortable, but now it's a, it's a vibe. That's what people expect now. Mm-hmm. Um, has anyone ever made any comments about your looks in a negative way? Mm, yeah, I remember face? I was in Miami and I was wearing like a like a clear see-through mesh shirt or whatever. Or was I? No, it was here in Detroit. No, that was some Detroit shit. It was here in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, I think she just asked me like, how does that make you feel? Like when you wear stuff like that and I'm like it makes me feel powerful and sexy and like I'm the owner of my body and she was like whoa (laughs) so yeah yeah I mean this is something I talk about with Morgan a lot is like it's it kind of blows my mind sometimes when like other women put each other down when they should be more support or supportive. Like, I don't get the whole shaming thing. Like it's a real thing. Can you, I don't know if you want to get into it, but like, I think, I don't know. I think that's always a weird thing to hear. But even if I'm watching, like Morgan and I are watching the bachelor. Oh, right now. And like, those girls are just like dogging on each other. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. man, like you all need to be for each other. You know what I mean? OMG. Yeah, I mean, it's just a product of patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just internalized patriarchy. That's just, it's a simple diagnosis. Sure. Um, and I think um, 
women can be patriarchal and so yeah i think that that's just and they don't realize it it's not a conscious thing it's just mm-hmm. so embedded in our culture that it's it's just mindless and i think yeah. that's even worse honestly sure. um but yeah it's um it's not just men that it affects it's definitely women women mm-hmm. too yeah uh, that's why like um it's sort of like how bell hooks she prefers to use the term uh white supremacy instead of racism because only white people have the power to be racist but mm-hmm. anyone can be a, a white supremacist and subscribe to white supremacist values and ideology sure it's the same thing um yeah is there any other things that you have to experience being in detroit that are <laughs> problematic on a non-problematic like hottie um vibe i think sometimes unfortunately in detroit there's like a crabs in a bucket type of like mentality or vibe occasionally um and that can be difficult to navigate you know um because that that comes from a perspective of like um lack or like there's not enough for everyone and I don't believe that to be true Mm. so it can be difficult to navigate people that operate in that way I feel like we just took a a sharp turn (laughs) from talking (laughs) about all the fashion stuff but um yeah I think that's something that needs to be in conversation you know Mm -hmm. um Okay, so back to your fashionista sense. Oh, yeah. Um, how do you make something mm. that's now vintage, which is like your Y2K look, how do you make it current mm. and like futuristic? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, I think that's where style comes in. Mm-hmm. And I think developing a sense of style that's outside of trends and just things being trendy Mm -hmm. um yeah and so i think that that's really what i i do um i mean trends are cool and you should know what's going on and what's popping and stuff but just because you're trendy doesn't mean you're stylish sure um and so i think i'm just mostly interested in just like cultivating just a such a sense of personal style that you know you can make any anything look look good look current and look um look fly mm-hmm. um yeah and i i like to how do i yeah i found that a lot of my y2k stuff and like fits and stuff look pretty cool and futuristic now mm-hmm. um and I think I like to mix it up with like, um, like more fashion forward sunglasses or like, you know, just things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's mostly just about just curating a sense of personal style and then you can really rock whatever it is from, from there. What's yeah, I'm wearing the... a lot of old vintage Y2K things and people are like, yo, I need that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the iconic problematic black hottie look hmm that's a good question 
I don't know. I would say something with the, um, yeah, my little denim skirt. Probably my color block Jeffrey Campbell's. Um, I don't know, Shingo. Dang. I, I'd have to ask the people. But yeah, I think my little denim skirt would be would be one of the looks. Yeah, totally. Something like that. You should do one <laughs> of those like um uh outfit battles of your own outfits. Yes. I would um, love that. What's your favorite piece in an outfit? Mm. So usually I'll start with one thing depending on my mood. Mm-hmm. I'll let my mood decide like the statement or the main piece. Um, and then I'll build everything around that. But mm. I love, I have a great shoe collection. So I love, love, love a good shoe. Um, I think, yeah, I would say shoes and a statement jacket, especially because we, we, we live in cold weather states. So <laughs> you got to have that statement jacket. Yeah. Um, and what I love complete, a classic sneaker. What completes the look? What completes the look? I think it can be a lot different things. Sometimes it's just that crispy white sneaker. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just that, that little purse. You know, sometimes it's an all black outfit with a splash of color. So it really, it depends on, on the look, but... Ooh, glasses, like sunglasses, like a pair of glasses. Ooh, people really be sleeping on that. Mm -hmm. How did you transition from personal shopping Mm. to reselling? Because I feel like that's something that you're trying to dive into right now. Yeah. um, I mean, just since people like my style so much, just expanding on that and being like, if you like my look, buy it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Straight up. You yeah. know, you like my pieces, pay me to pay, pay me and you can have them. Yeah. Um, so it just makes sense. You know, if I have a look, I have a style. Um, people love my, my pieces. I have an eye. So putting all that together to make some money just makes sense to me. Are you... Now that you're buying or now that you're shopping and reselling, Mm. are you buying things that you might have not purchased in the past Mm, for the sake of reselling? Even though I guess Mm -hmm. like you're also buying different sizes too now Mm -hmm. because I know that's something. Yeah, I was just selling my own stuff out of my closet, Mm -hmm. but from selling the stuff out of my closet and getting responses to that, people were really interested. I just needed bigger sizes. You know, Mm. everyone's like, dang, I like your shoes, but I'm a size blah, blah, blah. Or half of my followers were like, oh, I like your stuff, but I'm a medium. (laughs) I didn't know half the world was a medium. (laughs) Yeah. Not everyone is like five feet tall. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So now that I know people are interested in my pieces and the kinds of pieces that they, they like on me. So I found, I'm just like, I'm literally when I'm going out and shopping, the problem is I'm still, I'm only buying and selling things I would personally wear. It's all my style. It's all my taste. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I got to shop. I never, I just don't bother looking in larger sizes because, you know, I just didn't need to before, mm-hmm. but I just went shopping for reselling. And yeah, I, I got stuff in a larger variety of sizes and I found, you know, things that are my style and taste in these mm-hmm. larger sizes. How do you organize so, it all? Because it can get I, overwhelming so fast. It's true. And because I have so much stuff, because I have a huge personal closet and, you know, I have a lot of clothes, I'm mm. obsessed with organization. Mm. I love organization. There's just no way I could do this without, I would have like had so many panic attacks by now if I wasn't for, for being so organized. But yeah, I just, I like to keep it all organized. Like for my selling, for instance, I have a limit. I only have one rack, mm. just one rack of clothes. Like, um, and that's all I sell at a time. Mm. Whatever fits on the rack is what I'm selling. And then when that's done, I go get more stuff. Um, So yeah, just setting limits like that on myself and just being uh, really good at organizing. I have lots of bins and, excuse me, um, you know, bags under the bed and suitcases and whatever but it's all organized and like put away and not exploding everywhere yeah I I remember talking to you earlier about how much work it is to sell online yeah um is it worth all this work that goes into online retailing currently for me yeah because honestly the I'm having so much fun doing all the other aspects of what it is that I'm doing, the styling, Mm -hmm. the set designing Mm -hmm. and all of that. And so I'm trying to enjoy the process and look at the money that I get as an honestly a bonus to Mm. everything else that I'm doing. Yeah. Like you're you're the creative director. What'd you say? You are the creative director. Mm -hmm. That's fun. Exactly. So I'm enjoying that process and looking at the money that I'm getting like, oh, shit, sweet. You know, I made extra money. And honestly, mm-hmm. right now, and it's fun for me because it's still stuff I'm going to be doing. I'm still going to be wearing outfits. I'm still going to be taking photos and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it makes sense for me to just post it online and get paid for it. Sure. Um, And so, yeah, and it's cool. I'm getting to meet followers that I've never met before because they're buying stuff for me and coming to pick it up and Mm -hmm. making connections with people um and people are excited about the items that they're they're buying or things that they've seen me wear and stuff like that are people asking you to find certain pieces for for them you know like not exactly but I think that that is something that I would be into and down to do um you know, especially because now if I know someone likes something, I can go go buy it. And like I had that two-piece, the pink two-piece and someone liked it, but it wasn't in their size, mm-hmm. but I know where to get it. You know what I mean? So that's like yeah. things I could do where being a personal shopper with people is another thing I could do. Stuff like that. There's going to be a bunch of people dressed up like you around the city now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> It's isn't that be, funny you're gonna have a little like a brat's army <laughs> no for real because like yeah i'm just like wait this makes sense if people like my style so much why don't i sell it to them mm-hmm. duh yeah so yeah i really want to take that all the way and i'm having so much fun 
finding these clothes. I go to these thrift stores. I'm like, how did no one see this? Are you blind? <laughs> yes. So it's like, it's easy money to me, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The, the profit margin is insane. Like you can really easily is. make double, which is easy. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. I'm buying a $5 bag, selling it for $40. Like, come the fuck on, you yeah. know? So, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Um, and I didn't, it was my followers' response that really got me into it. I'm like, oh, so this is what y'all want? Okay, mm-hmm. then. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited for it. the weather to be warm again so oh, that, like, geez. these outdoor markets can happen. And it's so much fun. It's so much more fun than doing it at home, it setting is. up each shot. And then the worst part about like the whole Depop thing is writing a description for each piece. <gasps> My least favorite thing. <laughs> You've run out of shit to say. All right. You know, you can't always I... say this is the coolest thing you can buy <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> this is the freshest piece. Like they're all fresh, you know. They're all fresh. No, I yeah. hate descriptors and i think that's why i try to make everything else look so good so i don't have to like and i try to name my stuff but it's hard Dude, i want to name everything but i'm like whatever i don't care it's so much and that's the it's thing so like we were saying earlier is like to do it online you have to do all this extra mm-hmm. work for something you have to convince them yeah and then if you're at a market mm-hmm. you just have it hanging on the rack and that's you, you like it, buy it. Okay, cool. Yeah. You don't go away, you know? Like <laughs> you, know, you don't have to explain what you're selling to people. Oh my god, totally exactly. So, I, you know, I'm coming into this during the pandemic and everything, but mm-hmm. yeah, I know for a fact if I was selling what I'm selling in in person, it would sell like hotcakes. Yeah. Um, and I know I'd make hella bank and easy too, you know. So I, yeah, I'm just really utilizing that shit. I recommend watching so the, on YouTube mm. there are a lot of um thrifters mm. that do like vlogs where they go into like the thrift stores, mm. go through all the pieces they find, and they do like a wrap up at the end of the show where they show all their pieces. I think I can see you doing something like that. Yeah, I get, sure. I totally want to get into stuff like that. I think that'll be really absolutely. Funny. Um, so yeah, I'm like you know, I've made a couple hundred in one week selling cute clothes, and that's what I would make in eighteen hours or whatever standing at work. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, that makes sense. It's a <laughs> it's a job. It's not some. It's not easy by any means. You know, Mm-mm. it's definitely. You can tell it's a, people... it's a labor of a kind. Absolutely. Um, how can people find your pieces and buy them? Ooh, so problematic black hottie on Instagram. I do story sales Saturdays every Saturday, and I'm always showing what I have on there. And Depop, problematic black hottie, and then I'll be setting up my website to sell my clothes and pieces. So problematicblackhottie.com. So everything everywhere is problematic black hottie. <laughs> worldwide, baby. Worldwide universal. <laughs> um okay, I want to ask you about a few more questions. Yeah. Um, it's the hard topic section or segment. 
Um, they're just quick fire questions and just answer the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. They're not, they're not too difficult. Um, so the first one is what's your favorite post DJ meal or place to eat? My favorite post DJ meal. I'd be hungry after I DJ. Yeah. Um, oh, my favorite place to eat after I DJ. Cause it's usually like two in the morning is actually the, is it the eatery Detroit center eatery that it's like a pancake place and they just have a ridiculous selection of pancakes over there. New center eatery, new center eatery. I think they're closed right now. Yeah, they are. And I love their banana Foster's pancakes. Oh, they have good chicken and waffles there too. OMG. Um, I think Wednesdays they had the like two for one special there for chicken and waffles, which is fire. So yeah, I love that place because yeah, it's usually open after I DJ, which is late. Yeah, they're open to like four or something. I think Mm -hmm. they're open super late. Yeah, exactly. Good, good choice. Thank um, you. No one's mentioned that yet, so that's a. I, I don't know if they're gonna open up again. Actually, me either. I'm worried. <laughs> <laughs> um, number two, who do you look up to for advice and mentorship? In general. Yeah. My best friends, my best friends Brielle and my best friend Kevin. They're my moral compasses Mm. um so if i'm bothered about anything i usually turn to either of them both of them shout out to the besties Mm -hmm. uh number three who is your fashion designer idol um chanel spring summer of like the 90s Mm. yeah okay and versace from the 90s yeah. <laughs> Any particular piece from either one of those collections? Mm, I love, um, I believe Versace had the, they had this incredible butterfly fabric collection that was just to live for. And then for Chanel, I really love their like um, preppy girl collection. That was just like a bunch of plaids and just like, sets and things that i would wear mm-hmm. clueless type stuff yeah but high fashion you gotta ask your boyfriend for that versace oh, yeah. versace blouse <laughs> <laughs> um who's your style icon Ooh, i have so many um l from legally blonde um mean girls the heathers i have a lot of film film style inspirations mm-hmm. clueless of course forever Aaliyah. um gr- black girl groups from the 90s destiny's child destiny's child of course do you have a favorite member from the from the group no i truly don't um i mean you know I don't, Beyonce is amazing and always will be, but yeah, I mean, they're just a great group in general to me. And I love all their nineties Y2K styles. So, Mm -hmm. so, so, so good and inspiring. I think Kelly Rowland was one of my first crushes ever. (gasps) Uh Uh-huh. She's such a fox. (laughs) I love that term. (laughs) 
<laughs> Such a fox. I love it. <laughs> um, who is your? Do you have a DJ idol or like a DJ that you look up to? Mm-hmm. I have lots of DJs that I look up to. Lots of femme DJs. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head right now for some reason. Um, but yeah, I just love famous DJs. I love watch. I like half of my feed is girl DJs. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah, I have a few, but I can't think of any. Yeah, I think Detroit's pretty fortunate to have a pretty big group of female DJs. Yeah, thank goodness. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, if you can travel to any place in the world, where would you go? Hmm. I want to go to some tropical Asian country, I think. That's what I'm feeling. I haven't been anywhere over there. So, yeah, but I also want to go to Tulum. Mm. Simple. Um, I want to go everywhere, honestly. I want to go all over the world. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I became a DJ, so I can go all over the world. Um, yeah, it's a good good reason to travel. I feel like I don't want to go to Miami until I work in Miami for something mm-hmm. creative. Because I've been yeah. to Art Basel and stuff, and like it's so fun. But oh, I, I don't want to go live back to in Miami. <laughs> no way. Um, what are the top three qualities you look for in a partner? Because um, I know you've talked about your experiences with shitty partners. Mm-hmm. So, from those lessons, what are the three uh, qualities you look for in someone? Um. I think th- like thoughtful slash considerate slash mindful. They're kind of synonyms, I think. Um, that kind and understanding. Mm. Yeah. Um, what are the three qualities that are deal breaker? <laughs> oh, man. Not prioritizing me at all Mm. uh bad communication or like not even making it's one thing if you're bad at communication and like or trying but it's one thing if you're just like just bad yeah um lack of consideration oh my god that's one of my biggest pet peeves Mm. yeah it's not good Mm -mm. um if you can listen to one album for the rest of your life what would it be (laughs) you even ask me that Wow. That for a is... year. Okay. How about for okay. a year? Okay. I was about to say, damn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dang. Huh. I mean, what's like the first album that comes to your mind? It doesn't have to be like the truest answer, but like what's like. Good Kid Mad City. Mm. What about yeah. that album? Hmm? What is it about that album? It's just like a movie. Every time I listen to it, it's like I'm watching a movie. Mm. Or I'm listening. I feel like, yeah, when I listen to it, I'm watching a movie or like I'm listening to him read his diary. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that a lot. I like cinematic albums. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you can collaborate with anyone that are alive, mm. who would that be and what would the collaboration be? I think I would either want to work collab with Uzumaki, um, the artist from New York that does the furry rooms. Mm. Collab on a furry room, some furry concepts, or I want to shoot with some some photographers. Um, or maybe be painted by Kihende Wiley. Oh, ah, that's yeah. major. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's the one. Yeah. That's pretty epic. Yeah. Um, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Ah, I see myself hopefully being a world famous world traveling DJ mm. or event producer um and i'm totally married and my kid i have a kid they're chill i hope they have good music taste (laughs) i don't think your kid's gonna be chill (laughs) in a good way in a good way i think so too yeah um but yeah that's where i see myself in 10 years Hopefully living on the top floor of a cool building with a great view or something. I don't know. It sounds pretty realistic. Yeah. I can see that happening. (laughs) Okay. And the last question I want to ask you tonight is, I want you to finish the sentence. Mm. My name is Problematic Black Hottie and I'm a... Uh, I'm a, uh, I'm a human on earth and I just try to find ways to fill up my human existence (laughs) with value and experience. Beautiful. (laughs) That's great. Well, thank you so much for talking with me and sharing your experiences and you know talking about your inspirations i think you're you're an awesome person and i i'm excited to see what you come up with in the future thanks so much shingo i'm really glad that we got to do this yeah and um i hope or i'm excited to see your uh your depop or like your online retailing site thank you pop off yeah <laughs> the world needs it. I agree. So I agree. Cheers to that. Thanks, Shingo. Thank you everyone for tuning in to episode nine of the Hard Conversations Podcast, a Hard Gallery production. Again, I'd like to thank Problematic Black Hottie for coming on to our show. Be sure to check out their new online retail presence and follow their DJ and creative path that is making waves in Detroit and beyond. You can find her at www.problematicblackhottie.com. Again, I'd like to thank the sponsors, Casamara Club, Cold Truth, Astro Coffee, Huddle Soft Serve, and Aunt Knee's Tortilla Chips. You can also find all the updated information related to Hard Gallery on Instagram, at Hard Gallery, or on the website, www.hardgallery.art. 
Art Gallery merchandise is still for sale at the Farmer Street Market, curated by Playground Detroit. You can make an appointment for a visit or go onto their website at shop.playgrounddetroit.com for more info. If you're interested in donating towards the podcast or the gallery or seeking sponsorship opportunities, please send an email to hardgallerydetroit at gmail.com. Please be extra safe, respect the well-being and health of others, go hard in your endeavors, and wear a damn mask. Peace.